We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, December 15th. I'm Jake Litarski, here alongside Eric Turi, as is typical on Tuesdays. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find me at JakeSki52. Eric is at ETCat30. Eric, so if you're still listening to this podcast at this point in the season, it means you have one of two objectives. You are either A, in first, or not in first place, but just in the playoff hunt and racing for a championship, or B, trying to troll the people that are, because this is the Waiver Wire podcast. Uh, where do you stand, Eric? Well, I actually made the playoffs in all four leagues. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah, that, that was a nice accomplishment. Uh, luckily, uh, in one ten-team league, eight teams make it just snuck in there uh with the sixth seed uh the other ones uh, i feel much more comfortable about though 
Yeah, exactly. I'm a very similar way, which uh, gives me a little bit of solace after just getting completely wrecked in daily this week. I had so much Mike Evans, Brandon Cook, Sean Drone in daily. But on the other hand, hey, uh, I either uh, I locked up playoff spots in two leagues and I won a playoff berth in another league. A lot of thanks to Doug Baldwin, who for some reason I had on two rosters. Uh, even even more thanks to and Cam did you, Newton throughout the year. Did you uh, keep Baldwin around, or did you pick him up like uh, recently just because of his uh, run of success here? I mean, the leagues that I, I have him in are a 14-team and a 16-team. So, so I picked him up actually, I don't know, maybe around week five or six because uh-huh. I just needed a, a just a serviceable receiver when mm-hmm. other injuries and stuff happened. And, right. and I just kind of stuck him around on the roster because there wasn't you know anything too too encouraging on the waiver wire right exactly at this point and of course now he is uh pretty much a must start i'd say almost a top 20 receiver the way that the seattle offense is running yeah indeed exactly we'll get to some receiver pickups a little bit later let's start out the show as is typical on tuesdays by doing a quick recap of the monday night football game uh if you watch this game to me the main storyline has got to be odell beckham jr seven catches for 166 yards two touchdowns eli manning had a great day throwing four touchdowns one more to reuben randall and another one to will tie in the 31 to 24 victory over miami eric at this point is odell beckham jr the best receiver in both real life and fantasy Personally, I would still stick with uh, Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. but Odell is definitely making the run at the top spot. And I mean, with a strong finish of the season, they might be one A and one B. I mean, you, you can't really go wrong with either choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, personally, I have that pair in one league somehow. Ooh. Yeah, that's so just, that's it's it's pretty ridiculous uh, what can happen on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, checking into the RotoWire uh, 2015 rest of season cheat sheets, we have Brown at number one and Beckham at number two. So it's a very interesting combination. You look at the numbers comparison, Antonio Brown has 100 receptions to Beckham's 85. Antonio Brown has the edge in yards as well, 1397 to Beckham's 1320. Beckham, of course, has a much higher average and has 12 touchdowns to Brown's seven. Brown 147 targets, Beckham 142 targets. So uh, there's going to be some sick numbers, and we still got three weeks to play where, where both of these teams are going to have something to play for and possibly have to air it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Eli Manning is uh, on the four-year, you know, run to the Super Bowl, um, you know, 2007, 2011, 2015. So I can definitely see them doing everything in uh, their power to just to make the playoffs to, uh, you know, ruin everybody else's season. Yeah, Eli Manning has more rings than Aaron Rodgers. Still shocking to me. I, I just I can't seem to comprehend that or even fathom something. And his own brother. Like yeah, I guess and his own brother. Yeah, that's <laughs> I you know I don't even think of that. I think Aaron Rodgers first. But right. uh, but yeah, rest of the Giants box score here. Just real quick, uh, Rashad Jennings twenty two carries for eighty one yards. Nobody else really a factor in the rushing game. Moving over to Miami, the losing side. Uh, Tannehill had to attempt forty one passes in that game, uh, and eighteen of those were targeted towards Jarvis Landry who finished the day with 11 receptions for 99 yards, did not reach the end zone, only had one carry. The real fantasy story on this side, probably Lamar Miller, 12 carries for 89 yards and two touchdowns. So in a game when they were primarily playing a lot of catch-up, especially in the second half, uh, Miller was still able to have a very productive fantasy day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he. I'm surprised they didn't actually utilize him a little more just because mm-hmm. every time you, you looked up and he was running the ball, it was for... I mean, he averaged 7.4 yards per clip, so and with a high of 38. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Go yeah, ahead. you'd think they'd give him some more touches. But another thing that stood out to me about the <laughs> Miami side is I thought for sure Devontae Parker would be checking in with a, another respectable showing uh, because Rashard Matthews was once again ruled out. Parker checked in his final line, five targets, only two catches for 16 yards, so really a non-factor in a game where you would think he would be used a lot more against the defense that has been susceptible to the pass. Yeah, yeah. So Tannehill was basically looking Landry's way, and, you know, when he was double-covered, I guess, you know, yeah. these other guys got a few targets, like uh, Parker got five here. But, uh, man, six or six players with three to five targets in this game. Absolutely. Now, physically, Jarvis Landry isn't Julio Jones, but the way he's utilized in the Miami passing attack is very similar. A lot of quick screens of the outside and slants, and Landry's able to get upfield. That's almost more effective than a run game for a whole lot of teams there. And uh, if I remember correctly, were Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. on the same team at LSU? 
Uh, yeah, they I were believe. they were teammates. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Zach Mettenberger at quarterback and Jeremy Hill at running back. Uh, I think Spencer Ware was also in that backfield. Oh boy, remind me how they didn't win the national title again? <laughs> uh, because uh, they only well. scored three <laughs> points, I believe, in the net. Or no, they got shut out in the national championship game, twenty-one nothing. That's yeah, right. Another team with equally amount of pros, uh, Alabama, I assume, right? Right. All right. Well, enough college talk for now. We'll move on from the Monday night game, uh, which probably swung a few millionaire maker events, but. Nonetheless, let's get uh, let's get going with the waiver wire portion of our show. Quick reminder: bye weeks are over. Percentages, we say, of course, are percentage owned, uh, and we might offer some fab estimates. Of course, twelve team standard scoring, hundred dollar budget. Please remember to adjust accordingly here. Uh, so we got a whole lot going on here uh, as far as quarterbacks. There's a lot of news and notes. Just want to run down some guys we already mentioned. Uh, Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Jets. He's worth a look. Uh, we've mentioned him a few weeks in a row now, and he continues uh, to perform here. He's still got uh, about a coin toss as far as availability there. You know, 50% ownership, uh, maybe 44% in ESPN uh, formats there, but uh, Fitzpatrick, 263 yards, three touchdowns, and of course, uh, he goes to Dallas next week, then finishes with New England and at Buffalo. Decent look there. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, another uh, solid bet for the Bills. Uh, he's been helping people out lately. We won't go too far into him. And of course, Johnny Manziel, we've uh, discussed essentially every week, but we're going to spare you guys the Manziel minute. You guys all know the drill now. He is the starter, starting yeah. quarterback in Cleveland. We're, we're going to avoid his... Uh you know, much Browns talk as possible. Yeah, we don't need to talk about uh, $100 bill autographs or anything like that. We can we can save that <laughs> for another time here. But uh, one quarterback who I think could be a legitimate starter on even a playoff team, especially if they've been cycling around, is A.J. McCarron of the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, Andy Dalton has a broken hand. He's probably out for the year, at the very least, a multi-week absence. A.J. McCarron is universally available. There would have been no reason to roster him before this week. Uh, and in relief of Dalton, 22 for 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw two picks. So is he a feasible rest-of-season option starting out Week 15 at San Francisco? Yeah, I, th- I believe San Francisco's defense has been you know, fairly decent against the pass this season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check into that quick here. Yeah, but... I, I mean, I got, I got them at 27th uh, in the league, actually, at 268.5 passing yards allowed per game. And they've actually only given up one touchdown pass over the last three games. But that is, again, well, that's actually against uh, Carson Palmer, Jay Cutler, and Johnny Manziel. So, I mean... It's kind of surprising that Palmer wasn't able to get on the board there. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you there. But nonetheless, uh, A.J. McCarron, as long as you've got A.J. Green to throw to, yeah. a couple of A.J.'s there that are really uh, going to do some damage on the Cincinnati offense. And I, I think the real important part of this story is it doesn't really hurt the value of A.J. Green. A lot of fantasy mm-hmm. owners, especially in daily formats, were worried about Green. And, of course, he came through and continued to have a, you know just another big game, what we've come to expect out of him. So I wouldn't push the panic button on A.J. Green just yet. I think in uh, one of our preseason podcasts, we actually hit on McCarron because he actually looked really good. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, this guy could be a legitimate starter. Why isn't somebody, you know, you know, watching tape, trying to offer Cincinnati something? But, of course, I mean, they had him in reserve so in case something yeah. happened bad to I mean, Dalton here. Maybe the Cowboys would be a playoff team if they had a quarterback like A.J. McCarron. It yeah. seems entirely possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but nonetheless, would you throw some fab money on him, or are you just taking your chances as a pickup? Um, yeah, I mean, if I, if I have a dire situation, maybe what, five bucks or something like that, just to make sure you lock down a quarterback that might throw for 300 yards and has that, you know, really top end wide receiving option. Yeah. I could almost see using him as a tournament play in daily. I'd probably avoid him in your cash games, but uh, if you're looking to hit a home run and get a minimum price quarterback that has 300 yard, two to three touchdown potential, uh, it's, it's surely worth a look i would say right indeed yeah another quarterback that we want to mention based on low ownership and good matchup this week is alex smith of the kansas city chiefs owned in just 32 percent of yahoo and 43 percent of espn leagues he will get a baltimore pass defense of course this week in week 15 and uh, we all we all saw what russell wilson and doug Baldwin and tyler lockett in that passing attack was able to just completely torch baltimore uh, I mean, Alex Smith, not a huge touchdown machine, but he does have five touchdown passes in the last three weeks. Uh, is he a feasible streaming option this week? Of course, I'd say he needs to be started in almost all qu- two quarterback leagues, but uh, he's another daily play that I think will be a little bit underused. Yeah, and uh, we do like the fact that we're actually seeing some downfield throwing in this office, offense too, which is you know making them 
uh, kind of difficult to defend and making him just a more effective guy or somebody reliable that you can, you know, get, uh, what, 12 to 15 points per week about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm liking that uh, his development and the effects it's having on one of my guys, Jeremy Macklin. I remember early exactly. in the roundtable rankings, I had Jeremy Macklin rated higher than anybody else that was in the roundtable. And, you know, say say with that what you will, but I didn't think he was going to drop off completely. And uh, he seems to be quite serviceable. And I'm going to be counting on him as a wide receiver, too, in uh, one of my playoff matchups in a 14-team league. Yeah, so he's actually, uh, since their bye week in Week 9, they've had five games. He's thrown at least one touchdown pass in four of those. He... His floor has been 13 points all the way up to 24. So that's if you can get you know nearly 20 points in a given week. I mean, uh, this is standard points, of course, but it, it's um, you know it's it's reliable right now. Yeah, I would say consistency is good. So he even might be a decent uh, cash game type of guy. Yeah, because he, he, it's unlikely that he completely goes out there and tanks, especially against this Baltimore defense. Uh, let's sum up a couple quick other quarterback news and notes. These probably aren't relevant to anyone in the playoffs, unless, of course, you are in a two-quarterback format. But just want to give an update on Matt Schaub dealing with a chest injury. He believes he can play Sunday in Kansas City, of course, sticking in that Kansas City-Baltimore game. But if Schaub cannot go, Jimmy Clausen will be the backup there. All that really tells me is probably go after the Chiefs defense either way in both daily and season long. Uh, heading over to Denver, Peyton Manning, of course, dealing with that foot injury, was able to get out and get some throws in this week, but his Sunday status remains uncertain at this time. Brock Osweiler will continue to play quarterback for the Broncos. And then, of course, heading over to Houston, you've got Brian Hoyer, who's dealing with a concussion and a separate wrist injury. He's looking, quote, doubtful Sunday against Indianapolis. T.J. Yates is the backup there. Outside of two quarterbacks, is there anything to like here, Eric? Yeah, not really. I mean... Aside from Yates getting to throw to DeAndre Hopkins on a weekly basis, you know, there's not a lot to like out of those, out of that trio. Mm-hmm. Right on. So that'll do it for the quarterback uh, portion of the show. Let's move on over to running backs, which is really uh, the most exciting, I guess, part of the show because uh, a lot of big injuries going down lately in the running back department, leaving owners in the playoffs scrambling to find replacements. We're not going to touch on guys like James Stark, Spencer Ware, Sean Drone, David Johnson, James White. I'd say these guys arguably check in ahead of any of the free agent options that uh, are owned. But when you look across the availability, we're looking at anywhere from 60% owned to 90% owned in these ranges. So it's unlikely if you have a league where everyone is still paying attention that these guys are going to be available on the waiver wires. So we'll probably move ahead and uh, give you some guys that uh, actually have some availability. One of them being Tim Hightower of the New Orleans Saints. He's available in 44% of Yahoo and 41% of ESPN leagues. Of course, that numbers those numbers picked up a lot last week after it was announced in the middle of the week that Mark Ingram would be placed on the season-ending IR. So Tim Hightower went ahead and carried the ball 28 times Sunday against Tampa Bay, uh, turned that into 85 yards and a touchdown. Eric, he's got to be the top target for you this week, right? Yeah, and uh, our our most recent note actually mentions that Hightower received a Mark Ingram-like snap count. Uh, this is according to the New Orleans Times-Picune. Um, mm-hmm. So if that actually holds true going forward, we're going to see a guy who's getting 25 to 30, 30 you know, touches mm-hmm. in a given week. And, you know, more often than not, he's probably going to hit 100 yards. I know in this game he only hit 82, but mm-hmm. you, you feel like that's going to tick up and he'll, hit, he'll hit, actually hit that uh, benchmark at some point. Yeah, right on. I mean, I've been holding on to C.J. Spiller all year, daydreaming of his days at Clemson, <laughs> thinking that maybe he'd be able to reflash some of that. But he's just not not really cutting it uh, in New Orleans. They're not really part of it, and it does seem that Tim Hightower is the guy without question. Spiller only received three carries, and then uh, Marcus Murphy got a carry. Drew Brees ran around a couple times. But, yeah, 28 of the 35 run plays were carries to Tim Hightower. C.J. Spiller did get targeted eight times in the passing game, but uh, caught three passes for a whopping seven yards, so really helpful for fantasy owners out there. Uh, And Tim Hightower caught his only target for 10 yards. So I'd say, I mean, Hightower's got to be your your claim to use for, I mean, you only got a couple weeks left in the season. If you need an RB2, Go ahead and empty your fab budget or use your waiver priority that you've been saving up because because he's the man that uh, will should be able to help you consistently. And, uh, again, we want to mention the Saints uh, have a Monday night game uh, versus Detroit. It's a home game where they usually play pretty well. So, you know, matchup, kind of a middle-of-the-tier matchup, but 
that volume alone should get him 10 to 15 fantasy points at least. Um, off the top of your head, do you know what uh, Hightower went for in uh, our league, uh, our Roadwire league last week? I'm uh, looking into it right now, but I'm just saying for uh, you know the listeners, he, he what might we have, could consider. Um, he might have actually been snuck in as a pickup after waivers processed okay because i don't believe the ingram news came out until middle of the week at least i know that's that's how i missed out on tim hightower oh, that's that's a very in good most point. of my leagues i wasn't kind of checking in for random pickups on on wednesday afternoon i guess so uh so uh, that might have had an uh, adverse effect on the whole thing but uh but yeah i mean it's been a uh it, it's been a it's a tough season it always helps to stay on top of that and try and catch some of those breaks you usually got to do you usually got to find uh, one of those breaks if you plan on winning the league in a given year because how very rarely does your team end up healthy for 100% of the season. Yeah, exactly. Nonetheless. So Tim Ty Hightower is your top guy. I would guess that if there were a bid, he would go from 35 to $45 at this point in the season. Uh, you have to win this week. Winner, you're out. Winner, go home, basically. So I, I don't see any reason to spend any less than 100% of your fab budget right. on it. Yeah, for the guaranteed, uh, you know, uh output that he's going to give you yeah you could definitely have to uh empty your um empty your pockets versus, yeah. yeah empty your pockets of, of fake digital money because he's yes. the man here let's move on down the running back list though i want to head over to jacksonville who scored a i believe a franchise record 51 points and by far the highest scoring game of the week just beating up on indianapolis i believe and mm-hmm. uh tj yeldon kind of emerged from that game with a little bit of an injury a, a sprained knee so a sprained knee is, is really kind of a vague injury description. It yeah. could be a severe sprain. It could be a mild sprain. Usually a sprain or a strain comes with a grade of some sorts. But lacking that information right now, we have to assume his Sunday status is not certain yet. And if T.J. Alden cannot play, then I would imagine the Jags go to Denard Robinson. And as much as I would, I, I would like to have... Um, our, our very own Jaguar fan, Nick Whalen, in here, you gave us his take on the uh, yeah. the, the Robinson, Gerhardt, uh, everything else situation. I think you and I will suffice here, and, and Robinson's got to be your man, right? Uh, yeah, and I, I didn't know his line until just looking it up now. He had 14 carries for 75 yards and touchdown, mm-hmm. caught one of two targets for 12 yards, and he's averaging 4.7 yards per carry on the season. That's that's pretty reliable and the fact that he was actually able to increase that or get above that uh threshold you know Mm -hmm. in his first chances being the workhorse back of course it was coming against the Colts defense you have to take that into account Mm -hmm. um what's the matchup look like this week uh it looks like Atlanta and Atlanta's giving they're right in the middle of the pack ranked 15th in the league giving up 105.6 rushing yards per game now that's after they started out the season so well defensively right. and have really fallen off a cliff since then. Uh, you know, gave up a huge day to the Carolina Panthers uh, this in week 14. I think it's a, an excellent enough matchup here. I actually had a Twitter question shortly before we went on the show this week where I was asked, I have TJ Yeldon, Javorius Allen, and, um, oh boy, and there was one other player, uh, shoot. But uh, essentially I said to go ahead and pick up denard robinson uh mm-hmm. just to make sure and in one of my leagues i have uh i, I put down a 52 dollar bid mm-hmm. or not a 52 a 25 dollar bid on <laughs> denard robinson because well the reason i had that is the other person that would contend with me that i'm playing in the playoffs also has 25 dollars worth of fab money and i have jonathan stewart on my team which makes me a little bit uncertain and uh, uh we'll kind of get to the carolina backfield in a second there but um, I, I felt like I had to do the big, had to do the big uh, bid on him just to make sure I have an RB two in the playoffs. Right, exactly, and mm-hmm. yeah, just looking into the card or sorry, the Falcons again. They've given up at least twenty points standard league uh, points uh, over the last four weeks, mm-hmm. um, average of twenty five points to running backs. So yeah, this guy, this this guy is more guaranteed than I think the Dewan Harris and Bryce Brown situation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- this is another guy, um, you know, outside of um, Tim Hightower that you want to you know target right now. Yep. Of course, Tim Hightower already taken in that league. It was a sixteen team league, so I kind of didn't have an opportunity there. But uh, back to the Twitter question I alluded to earlier, right it was Lamar Miller, T.J. Yeldon, and and Javorius Buck Allen, and I said if. Yeldon gets hurt or is ruled out, I would put your money on Denard Robinson. I wouldn't start him over Lamar Miller, 
but I would start him over Buck Allen. I, I think that's that's the way I look at it. As far as far as matchup wise, that seemed to be the best decision to make. And and if this comes or if the Yeldon injury is something that you know rules him out for multiple weeks after this weekend, the Jaguars face the Saints Ooh. and then the Texans. Texans have been at times uh, run on. Uh, this season and the Saints are the second uh, they've allowed the second most points to opposing running backs Mm -hmm. so yeah this is a guy that's if Denard Robin or if Yeldon is out Robinson's going to be a pretty dang good play yep so outside of Tobinbo Gerhardt uh, I think (laughs) Denard Robinson's the man to target here I've already Gerhardt is out for the season right yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I, I just wanted to just say his real name again. <laughs> I know. I love that. You caught me. You caught me. All right. How about the Carolina Panthers? Now, I alluded to the Jonathan Stewart situation a moment ago. He's yeah. dealing with a sprained left foot, and even before this injury surfaced, the Panthers had been talking about resting him uh, because, of course, they're undefeated still, and uh, they have uh, a pretty good chance to lock up that one seed there. There's not a whole lot to play for during the season's final weeks, and you know how important a rushing game is in the playoffs. They want to keep John Stewart, who has dealt with injuries on and off throughout his career. They kind of want to keep him fresh here. So with that being said, Stewart's far from being ruled out, but it would not be wise to play them, play him, right? Um, yeah, not at all. Uh, I mean, they do have the you know undefeated record on the line, but I think uh, they've been able to weather losses to, you know, Calvin Benjamin this year in the passing game has fared, mm-hmm. you know, good enough. Another thing that we need to note is uh, Greg Olson is kind of dealing with an injury as well this week. So um, <clears throat> I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to take the safe route and kind of rest uh, Jonathan Stewart. But I mean, it's it's going to be a wait and see thing. But uh, you know, with these two guys, Artis Payne and uh, Whitaker, I mean, who do you think would get the carries over? Uh, one or the other yeah well if you look at the carry distribution on Sunday uh, you have Fozzie Whitaker with eight carries and Mike Tolbert with six Cameron Artis Payne got Didn't none play, right as far as I'm concerned I think Artis Payne might have been inactive mm-hmm. um, I know he has been in prior games in the year because there's no really reason to keep a running back beyond Stewart Whitaker and Tolbert on, uh, you know, I'm saying Tolbert. Is it actually just Tolbert? Am I thinking Colbert report? Yeah, Tolbert. Yeah, Tolbert. That's pretty yeah, funny. I, that must, yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen Stephen Colbert much on the Late Show lately, but uh, well, that, I always enjoyed the TV show on Comedy Central. And in, in that vein, does Jonathan Stewart go by Jonathan just because John Stewart is a famous John Stewart? Yeah, <laughs> there you are. I, I could very much see that. I don't Tolbert know. and Stewart. Tolbert and Stewart in the backfield. That's that's excellent. I want to see if I can work that into the title today. But nonetheless, as we were, as I was getting to before, uh, I mean, we haven't really. Cameron Artis Payne hasn't seen a snap since week seven. It looks like, so he's probably unowned everywhere. Somehow, yeah, some way, Payne has a higher percent ownership than Fozzie Whitaker. I think that's mostly speculative. I saw, I saw ESPN's Matthew Barry suggest uh, Sunday morning that you know if you have Jonathan Stewart, you should be handcuffing him with Artis Payne. I'm not necessarily sure that that is a lock. Um, I do like Fozzie Whitaker in a PPR format because he gets a lot of those targets out of the backfield. Well, I mean, you do like the fact too that he was the guy getting carries when uh, mm-hmm. Stewart left the game. Of course, there was a little split, but. Uh, he he did uh, out-carry Tolbert. Yeah, and regardless of who takes over, the Panthers head to New York to play the Giants in Week 15, who, as we all know, that defense has been uh, pretty brutal. I mean, they've had some moments, not a whole lot of them. I'm trying to look them up right now as far as terms of run defense here. I think they have the last-ranked pass defense, a little bit better in terms of run defense, 16, 110 rushing yards per game allowed on the, on the ground. So I could see Whitaker... 60 I would say 80 total yards in a score I it's not necessarily a lock that he gets more rushing yards and receiving yards but if Stewart sits uh, I mean you've got this Carolina Panther team that that is going to the Giants uh, who knows how the weather's going to be like there they might want to keep it on the ground if you're a Stewart owner if I don't get Denard Robinson I'm looking to lock up one of these guys hopefully in the waiver wire yeah I mean aside from uh, keeping the undefeated streak alive or records um uh, you know, in play, I think they would probably want to put a stake in the heart of the Giants potentially here with a loss and put them, you know, behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, winning the NFC East. 
uh, they don't want to face the Giants in the playoffs considering what has happened, you know, in the past mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when they do just make the postseason. So I, I feel like they're going to continue their nice balance on offense. I think they've had 68 passes versus 68 rushes the last two weeks. So, yeah, I think that that guarantees somebody's going to get, you know, 15 carries in this backfield. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, but for the sake of time, let's go ahead and move right on, on to the New England backfield here. Brandon Bolden. Uh, worth another look, owned an 11% of Yahoo, 10% of ESPN leagues. LeGarrette Blunt suffered a hip injury Sunday. You wrote down here that he was seen in crutches Tuesday. That makes things very interesting in the New England backfield. Of course, I still think James White, who got the goal line touch and most of the targets on Sunday night, is the top back to own in the backfield at this time. But it, can you see any rhyme or reason here to, to giving Bolden a shot? Uh, personally, you know, I'll give you my opinion first. I... I'm going to avoid the Patriots' backfield because I feel like they could call someone up off the practice squad who is just as likely to get <laughs> double-digit touches. Yeah, and uh, we we also know that Belichick, uh, Coach Bill Belichick, uh, you know, game uh, builds a game plan for the, that specific week, and then it, it will be ditched the next one. So mm-hmm. you don't know if Bolden's actually going to be able to get 16 carries. Uh, I think the fact that White has consistently got those goal line touches over the last month and a half tells you that when they get down there, he's going to get the rush or, you know, target. Yeah, former Wisconsin Badger James White, I would say, is your top uh, top target if you're looking at the New England backfield. But I think you can rationalize Olden Bolden for the rest of the season, if if anything, because there, there are some big games to have in that offense. Right. But, of course, uh, you know, Patriots have Gronk back, Edelman's practicing again. They're going to get closer and closer to the point where there are almost too many options once again. Right, exactly. All right. Real lastly, I wrote him down as an honorable mention, Isaiah Crowell (laughs) of the Cleveland Browns. He had a huge game Sunday against the 49ers. Of course, uh, the Cleveland Browns playing ahead for the majority of this game, which is something that they uh, have very rare experience with this year. And uh, with the lead, Crowell has handed the ball 20 times, turned that into 145 yards and two touchdowns, caught his only pass in the passing game for nine yards. I mean, he had a great week, and I just don't know if I would overreact to this or not. He had already been dropped in most leagues. He was only owned, as of this afternoon, 27% Yahoo, 36% ESPN. However, week 15, they go to Seattle. Ter- obviously a terrible matchup there. So I- You want to you avoid you know most of your skill position players when it comes to or seeing uh, Seattle on yeah, the other side. Road matchups in I, Seattle. I would, I would say only if it's an elite quarterback, you know, they're receiving options. You you generally want to explore at least touching mm-hmm. but not uh not uh not the Cleveland Browns yeah I just wanted to note Crowell's performance and his availability now I remember about uh, was it week like 14 of last season right about around this time I, I went on the radio and I said I gave Crowell a glowing recommendation as a as a DFS option because I thought that with Manziel taking over at quarterback he would kind of open up more running lanes for Crowell because uh, he spreads the defense off out a little bit. You have to obviously contain the quarterback a little bit more, especially someone with the rushing capability of Johnny Manziel. And my rationale for recommending Crowell in daily was Johnny Manziel opening up those lanes. Of course, right. at this time last year, Crowell got stuffed, produced all of you know 30 solid yards in the game. But at this time this year, you go ahead and um, – I mean, they have a little more balance, yeah. which you got to like. Quite a bit more balance. So this time this year, that analysis held true. But, of course, I wasn't going to go out on a limb and try to avoid making the same mistake here. Right. However, I mean, they were ahead in all this this game against San Francisco, and I don't see them being ahead for any of this game in Seattle. As much as I'd love to see, you know, maybe the Seahawks handed a home loss just to, you know, to lock things down playoff-wise in the NFC, it, I just – I, I don't see Crowell having another big game. As a Browns beat writer, did you find it kind of interesting that they went all out to win when they, you know, if they lose the rest of the season, they get the number one pick? Since they, you know, move from two to three wins. I think that's just one more way Johnny Manziel can screw that franchise over, and it kind of makes me chuckle. Yeah, yeah, it's great. A little bit. <laughs> all right, podcast listeners, we have partnered with our friends at DraftKings to run an exclusive Rotowire fantasy football contest the final four weeks of the football season. Rotowire podcast listeners can participate against each other and Rotowire podcast hosts, such as myself and Eric, to earn a seat at the Rotowire Fantasy Football Championship in Week 17. The Week 15 qualifier is now live. I believe it is just $5 to enter. 
and the winner takes home $100 and a seat in the Week 17 Championship. If you are out of the playoffs, this is a great way to get back involved, so please join in on the fun now. Sign up at rotowire.com slash DraftKings. That's rotowire.com slash DraftKings. All right, Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Katuri. Once again, going over the top waiver wire options for the week. We just went through a whole slew of running backs, potentially some receivers to talk about here. Now, I'm going to list off some guys first that we've already talked about talked about quite a bit. Their ownership has uh, spiked up quite a bit since we originally brought them up. Of course, obviously, Doug Baldwin needs to be owned everywhere going into these final playoff matchups, but you'd be hard-pressed to find him on the waiver wire only because he's, he's currently owned in 19% of Yahoo and 80% uh, I'm sorry, 81% of Yahoo, 80% of ESPN leagues. So uh, pretty high ownership there. What about his teammate Tyler Lockett, who is only owned in 38% of Yahoo, 22% of ESPN leagues? I think this new focus on the Seattle passing game is absolutely doing good things for the, for those receivers. And can you see these guys keeping it up for the um, rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, they basically have to win on a weekly basis to kind of secure that um, you know, fifth seed in the wild card. That, that would mean going on the road, but also facing an NFC East uh, opponent that's probably going to be the weakest playoff opponent, maybe in the field, outside of the AFC South, of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the fact that Lockett has got, you know, five, three, seven, seven targets over the last four weeks, mm-hmm. you can rely upon that. Like, he's going to probably get at least five targets and kind of be that complement to um, <clears throat> Doug Baldwin that they wanted when they drafted him. Right on. And, of course, uh, needless to say, Tyler Lockett, an excellent keeper league option. Oh, yeah. Someone that you can definitely consider saving on your roster next and, for next season. And you can't deny that uh, 10.6 yards per target. I mean, what, when you see Mark like that, you know, mm-hmm. no matter, even if he's only getting five targets on a weekly basis, he's going to get you 50 yards or so. Yeah, that that is exactly right. He's very capable of big plays and does well in the open field, of course, as we've seen in the kick return game mm-hmm. as early as the preseason here. A couple other receivers that uh, we've kind of gone over already in the past, not going to rehash too much. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, he had, let's see here, four catches for 65 yards on seven targets last week, so starting to be a little bit more consistent. Of course, Devontae Parker, he was really kind of shut out a non-factor in the Monday night game here. Uh, Kamar Aiken, still really the only receiver, only pass-catching option in Baltimore That's uh, that I can probably name at this time. And, of course, <laughs> Marvin Jones of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, that status might change a little bit with A.J. McCarron at the helm. But nonetheless, uh, a you know, big target that has proven to be reliable over, over the over the course of a few seasons. Mm-hmm. A couple new game names we want to kind of hash out here. We've got Ted Ginn of Carolina. I believe we talked about him way earlier in the season, but he really came on Sunday, uh, caught touchdown passes of 74 and 46 yards in the first quarter. The only thing that worries me with Ted Ginn here is he had just three targets on the entire day. So is the inconsistency make you kind of back off a guy like Ginn? Yeah, it definitely makes you wary, and also the fact that to power this passing game this year Newton's been using all of his options consistently you know targeting Greg Olson but outside of that uh it's really you know wonky on a weekly basis you don't really know who's going to get those targets um I mean over his let's see he's hit 10 targets twice a season but he has also failed to get to Mm -hmm. five let's see one two three four five times a season so you don't really know what you're going to be getting from Ginn yeah, there's a couple things that concern me and a couple things that I like about this matchup. One of the biggest concerns is the drops. I've seen him drop a lot of potential touchdown passes this year, and yes, and of course yeah. that's cringeworthy for fantasy owners. But the things I like, the Panthers uh, go to uh, the, Gi- the Meadowlands here to play the Giants, who are giving up a league-worst 308.4 passing yards wow. per game. So uh, the matchup is definitely favorable. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, Eric, Greg Olson is dealing with a knee injury mm-hmm. who he said he avoided a major injury. He doesn't expect it to be too severe, and he's confident that he'll play. But similar to Jonathan Stewart, why would you really force your guys out there too much at this time of year when chances are you're going to end up with the number one seed in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Earlier today, I don't remember which beat writer it was from the Panthers, but they mentioned what you just mentioned, that you know he avoided a major injury. But they also expect him to be out there this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um that could be in a you know reduced role just because of the injury to make sure he doesn't aggravate it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you gotta like the matchup here. The Giants 
like you said, our league worst mm-hmm. pass defense. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so if Ginn isn't already owned in your league, there's a chance that there's not going to be a big race to go get Ted Ginn. So I think you can right. get away with a 5 to $10 bid, mm-hmm. maybe a $1 to $2 bid if everyone's kind of running out of money at this point. But he's an option, maybe a wide receiver three, depending on how the rest of that position group yeah, fleshes the, out. The one thing we haven't seen with the re- wide receiving core this year across the league is not really any major injuries like we've seen with running backs and tight ends, mm-hmm. um, you know, lengthy absences. So you might be pretty healthy in the uh, um, wide receiver department at this moment. But mm-hmm. if you if you are struggling in that regard, I mean, this is a guy that could get, you know, a touchdown. Yeah, another option you could look to if you're struggling is Nelson Aguilar of the Philadelphia Eagles. He was kind of got a lot of momentum on draft day, but surely <laughs> kind of fell off the radar. He was injured early on and, and didn't really, wasn't utilized for his full potential. I actually like Aguilar. A decent amount for next season, of course. That depends if they keep Bradford, how that offense, if they even have their same head coach, how that all that works out in Philadelphia. But try not to look too far ahead. Aguilar just owned in 20% of Yahoo, 8% of ESPN leagues. Week 14, he cashed in three catches on six targets for 62 yards and a touchdown. Of course, that was aided by a 53-yard reception in that contest. The matchup's quite a bit tougher week 17 as uh, they do have Arizona. Now Jordan Matthews is dealing with a back injury and his Sunday status is uncertain here. So you've got Jordan Matthews, you've got Nelson Aguilar, um, both seemingly feasible options. I would imagine if Matthews plays, he's going to draw Patrick Peterson, would you say? Yeah, yeah, Peterson uh, generally follows... Actually, almost always follows around the best, uh, you know, wide receiver on the other side. Mm-hmm. But that would put him, or that would put Aguilar across from Justin Bethel if Gerard Powers doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Justin Bethel has actually played pretty well in the uh, back-to-back starts, mm-hmm. so it's no guarantee that we, he would be able to get open. Mm-hmm. But uh, you never know. There's opportunities that yeah. are there, nonetheless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, the, so the, just the Eagles' offenses look much more crisp the last two weeks with Bradford back. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. So maybe a couple bucks on Aguilar if you're really desperate for a wide receiver three. Right. Although I can't really see too many people that are in the playoffs hunting to try and replace new receivers at this point because if you're in the playoffs, you avoided any of the duds, really. Hopefully, right. at least most of your team here. Uh, one other receiver that I didn't quite write down, but I wanted to work in maybe a quick mention here is Ty Montgomery of the Green Bay Packers. We kind of know the turnaround and some of the turmoil the Packers have had at wide receiver this this whole year. Now, Ty Montgomery uh, was returning to individual drills in practice last week, mm-hmm. and uh, he was inactive for the game on Sunday, but I would have to imagine that a return for him is somewhere around the corner. Now, maybe you're not going to pick him up and start him this week. I mean, he hasn't played since week six with a foot, or it's an ankle injury, I believe. So he hasn't yep. played in quite a while here, but is there some sort of room as maybe a speculative ad in a deep format to maybe stash just in case he's back for the championship? Yeah, that, that's actually not a bad idea, especially with how, how underwhelming Devontae Adams has been. Mm-hmm. But actually with Mike McCarthy taking by, back play, play calling duties, I think he only was targeted three times as opposed to something like 51 in the previous four games with uh, Tom Clements calling. So there, I think there is some room there. And yeah. I think, McCarthy has only had good things to say about Montgomery this season. He hasn't said, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, has problems with drops or anything like that. Yeah. So, As opposed to Devontae Adams. I mean, Mike McCarthy can call the plays, but how much trust does Aaron Rodgers really have in Stonehands Devontae Adams at this point in the season? <laughs> right so on. that could be partially responsible for the three targets there. So I wanted to throw out the tip of the Packer tidbit there, Ty Montgomery, as a speculative ad. If you can keep a handful of players, too, and he's uh, there's probably a good chance he's on your waiver wire. I you'd have to think about keeping him for next year. Now, granted, they'll hopefully be at full strength with both Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, but Montgomery could work his way into the mix as well, and is is certainly worth consideration here. Uh, well, that's it for wide receivers. Let's move on to tight ends. Of course, uh, last week we discussed Austin Safarian Jenkins of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now he got a few more looks in last week's game. Um, I mean, more than his his debut, he ended up finishing. Uh, is is this right? Three catches for 31 yards on six that targets? That is uh, exactly right. In back-to-back weeks. So yeah. that's, at least you have a floor established for him here. I think uh, he might have a little bit tougher going in St. Louis this week, though, so I wouldn't say he's a must-start. Just your tidbits on Safarian Jenkins. 
Luke Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. He's been uh, off and on as well, but he's got very, very low ownership and uh, someone that you could consider in an incredibly deep league. Uh, he also had three targets, caught two passes for 36 yards. Uh, whoop, that was a couple weeks ago. He was only targeted twice, caught one pass for eight yards, so uh, I'd say you can safely pass over him at this point. Yep. He's no Jimmy Graham backup. We've also discussed Vance McDonald a few times. He's an option if you're pretty desperate here. I would say there's not a – I mean, he's had a couple pretty good games, but, I mean, not a whole lot of upside when, when it's Blaine Gabbard throwing you the ball. Right. Excuse me, he just finished with – Two catches for 18 yards and three targets, so not a whole lot to like there. But what if you head to New York where you have Will Ty, who is owned in just 9% of Yahoo leagues, 14% of ESPN formats, targeted five times last night, caught five of those passes for 30 yards and a score. He's going to have a much tougher matchup here week 15 uh, against Carolina, but is he one of the top tight ends to look for this week? I mean, it seems like he and Eli Mannion are starting to bring together or brew up a little bit of chemistry yes we didn't really know um how this guy would work out uh with larry Donnell going out with a neck injury and i'm uh searching out his um game log here it's taking some time so but yeah like you said uh the rapport seems to uh be coming into play with eli manning Mm -hmm. uh what's the matchup look like again he's got carolina so it's uh, a little bit tough as far as fantasy points allowed to tight ends here but over the last three weeks i'm just going to kind of combine them here 17 targets and he's caught 14 of those so yeah he's only he's pretty efficient when it comes to his targets and if eli manning gives him into the five to eight target range he could have another decent fantasy day because like you said with larry Donnell out jerome cunningham's the only other tight end on the active roster so I'd say there's a roster spot for Will Ty in, in a lot of different formats. I'm certainly dumping Scott Chandler with the return of Gronk in favor of, of Will Ty this week. And even before Denell was ruled out for the season, he was getting consistent targets in this passing game too. Mm-hmm. It was just nice that you had the icing on the cake with the touchdown this past, uh, or actually yesterday, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, six, seven, eight, four, and five targets over the last five games. Yep, another tight end I like is uh, over in Chicago where Martellus Bennett is out for the season. We have Zach Miller who hauled in five of six targets for 85 yards and a touchdown, had a better game statistically, pretty much followed up a dud at week 13 in San Francisco when he only caught one pass and redeemed himself. So probably wasn't started in a lot of places this year, but Bears are going to Minnesota, going to Tampa Bay, and then host Detroit. You have to imagine that Zach Miller is at least ownable. Oh, yeah. Well, it, mm-hmm. The only place I have him right now is a 16-team league or a road-to-wire league. But, yeah, if, I, if I'm in a 12-team league and, you know, my tight end uh, ranks has been, like, let's say I have Eifert or Crockett Gilmore or somebody like that just – you know, middling. Eifert's still dealing with the injury. Maybe yeah. someone like Jordan Cameron, if you've hung on to right. him, or Charles Clay that are pretty inconsistent. I think you can put them in the same type of grouping when it comes to rankings. Right, exactly. I would have to agree with that. Um, so those are the tight ends for the week. Uh, as we usually do in the second half of the season, I'm going to run down the week 15 dome kickers that are likely available. I would uh, I would watch for the over-unders and pick the one. Whoever on this, this list is in the highest over-unders, um, I'm guessing it might be the Monday night game with Detroit at New Orleans. There Those are the, a lot of so the Sunday night game and the Monday night game are the two highest over unders of the week. Okay, just heads up. exactly. So starting on Thursday, you got Connor Barth of the uh, Buccaneers at St. Louis. Then moving on to Sunday, Randy Bullock at Dallas, Nick Novak at Indianapolis, Adam Vinatieri versus Houston, Matt Prater at New Orleans, Kai Forbath versus Detroit. I used Prater a ton in daily last week and got wrecked. He gave me all of two extra points, but I think he uh, might get a few more opportunities against the Saints. I, Even though I was a little bit poisoned by that, I would say uh, I, I kind of I like him as another pickup streaming option this week. I'm not going to replace him, I guess, in the leagues where I picked him up to stream this week. Yeah. No, right. I, I, I kind of like the uh, Connor Barth pick. Like In midseason, didn't he have a run of uh, four games, I believe, with double-digit uh, points? And then since then, he's, mm-hmm. uh, I think, been contained uh, maybe yeah. to six or seven max. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, with Jameis Winston playing better, their offense finally getting healthy, they'll be more 
scoring opportunities for that team. So yeah. you got you to gotta like what uh, he could bring to the table. Also, maybe the offense will sputter a little bit on a short week. I don't really have any stats on kickers on Thursdays. But, yeah. again, something to potentially consider here. Yeah. What about streaming defense targets? Uh, I've got three options I want to lay on you here, and I just want you to pick your favorite one and, and let me know why here. Uh, I narrowed it down to three likely available ones. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are at St. Louis, 15% Yahoo, 19% ESPN ownership. Miami Dolphins at the sputtering San Diego Chargers, 23% Yahoo, 22% ESPN. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, ownership's a little bit higher, 39% Yahoo, 38% ESPN. And they have the Denver Broncos at home. Eric, do you got a favorite? Yeah, it's definitely uh, the Steelers. I'm surprised that they're uh, only owned in uh, you know, 38% of leagues here. I mean, basically they're a top 10 the fantasy defense exactly. this season. Yeah, exactly. So uh, over the last six games, they've scored in double digits four times. The only times they didn't is when they faced Derek Carr, the up-and-coming Derek Carr, and then Russell Wilson. Otherwise, they've been able to take advantage of middling quarterbacks, and they're going to be facing Brock Osweiler, um, then Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub or Jimmy Clausen, exactly, and then uh, Johnny, Johnny Manziel. Manziel. Yeah, week seventeen. So, so this is this it, is the defense you pick up and don't look back. You pick them up this week, then you don't have to worry about your defense the rest of the year. Yeah, right? exactly. Like you're going to be pretty secure, I think, in uh, at least in that position uh, when you're when you're considering your defense. You know, focus on the rest of your roster at that point. Mm-hmm. And would you put Fab bid down on this guy on this team? Yeah, honestly, if you are secure in all your other positions, you say you avoided the injury bug these last few weeks. I would yeah. absolutely go ahead and put a Fab bid on the Steelers because there's a lot to like. There's some you don't have to worry about your defense, your fantasy defense, the rest of the season, and you can just be put at ease there. Hopefully carrying you to a championship game there. Anybody else you like behind the Steelers? I could see the rationale for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing against Case Keenum and a St. Louis Rams team that recently fired their offensive coordinator. But at the same time, Buccaneers are on the road. Todd Gurley seemed a little bit resurgent last week. I think the Buccaneers, high, potentially high reward, but very risky. Yeah, I, I'm i going to avoid the Bucks just because of the Todd Gurley factor. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Miami versus San Diego, though? I mean, they, they their right receiver ranks have basically withered down to what? nothing like stevie johnson just uh was out with a groin injury dontrell inman was out with a uh i mean malcolm himself. floyd's back and then yeah. you got stevie johnson and inman hurt javante herden herndon vincent brown tyrell williams uh so there's not a whole lot going and on in that passing game anymore even with gates healthy yeah so gates is like the only guy that that you know miami's gonna have to worry about i guess mm-hmm. uh nobody in that backfield has impressed in recent weeks melvin gordon and danny woodhead yeah hmm. maybe that's a good one yeah so potential option there i mean miami a little bit of hit or miss on the season but they certainly have the big names and the talent to make a fantasy impact well that'll do it thank you for listening for the rotowire fantasy football podcast brought to you by draftkings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I am Jake Letarski on Twitter at jakeski 52 And over here, it's Eric Kateri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The ROTOWIRE Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Joe and 